Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, you're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs, where I speak to bands and musicians about their survival as artists, how they've been able to make it work in the long run, 
doing their own thing, making their own mark in an industry where it's almost impossible, I feel like, to do that. And I'm constantly in awe of the way that people prioritize their time, work hard when they can for the cash and basically make it work for themselves. I've got Abby Woodman from Martha Gunn on today's episode. Their new album, Something Good Will Happen, is out now on Communion. You can find the album everywhere. Why not? Go treat yourself. Buy it on LP. East London Signature Brew have been brewing beers with bands since 2011. They've made beers with Hot Chip, Mastodon, Idols, just to name a few. If you go onto their website, signaturebrew.co.uk, you can order some of their beers directly to your door. And with the voucher code 101 podcast, all capitals, no spaces, you can get 10% off that order. Here's Abby Woodman from Martha Gunn. Go well. Cheers. Still stood in the dark. You're the only one to save me. Working part-time jobs alongside doing music, it's it's always a tricky balance. Um, but with with writing this album, I personally need to go away from everything. Um, to be able to really focus so I find it hard to be living a you know normal day-to-day life and be writing music um alongside that I obviously do that but I like to then go away and sort of piece everything together yeah um because I do find if you sort of you know completely focus on music for a couple of weeks at a time you really get the best out of yourself um but I do I do find that I'm not sure if it's just me and our band but musicians don't really share much about you know their actual lives and how they make this work because for most people we've got a million and one side hustles alongside this to try and make this one thing work and I I, I do feel like I don't see a lot of other artists share share about you know how they're surviving what they're doing um, because most artists aren't aren't earning a great deal off of their music you know it is only a small percent that really are um does it take away there's like a mystery element in there yeah I guess so I mean I personally am really private as a person I'm not sure why I've tried to I've tried to you know be less private as I've got older but I I like keeping my life separate to music um and also because I think you know, fans of ours wouldn't find it necessarily that that exciting. Um, but maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they'd find it really exciting knowing knowing what we do on a day-to-day. Um, I think personally for me, where it stems from is other people uh, maybe knowing that maybe they wouldn't see you as successful if they knew that actually you had side hustles to fund the thing that you want to do. Right. And they know that is... Like that's me being pretty vulnerable saying that, and I know you shouldn't care what people think, but I think deep down that is probably within me what I think. You know, mm-hmm. I want to. There is a there is a place that I want to get to as a musician, and so I don't want to focus on all the other things. I just want to focus on doing that one thing, and putting that energy out into the world. Um. So yeah, there's probably a bit of that going on. I wonder if not wanting to talk about sideline reality stuff has got something to do with 
traditional rock journalism and the kind of rock band myth you might read that people are at art school but other than that you don't you don't don't, do you oh everyone's at art school aren't they um yeah I think yeah that's it the fact that you don't read about artists and how they you know you only ever hear of like these giant artists who have made it in you know quote marks um then they talk about what they did and the struggles but you don't actually hear much about the artists that are going through that you don't want people to be focusing on those side hustles that you do you want them to be only focusing on the fact that you are a great musician and you've got your sights set high um but yeah maybe that's maybe that's just me being insecure I'm not sure if other people feel that way but that's definitely something I feel I just want to focus on the, I, I just want people to focus on the music and that's that have you had moments where you've had to kind of uh, like refocus or readjust or really think to yourself do I go harder in this or do I step back a bit 100% 100% especially over the last couple of years uh, with with lockdowns and stuff finding that balance of how much you give to either or because you know at a time where we weren't able to play gigs uh, we weren't able to even see each other um, that was really tough and so you know I didn't have loads of things taking up all of my time um, except for making the record which was a big chunk of that but um, you know around that I had a lot of spare time in which I decided to save a bit of money and you know work a few extra hours. Makes me think you know when you got like you know, five of you, it looks like a house of cards sometimes because everyone's got their own stuff. Everyone's got their own shit going on. Yeah. How has it been for you, you know, making that work in the long run? Yeah. I mean, do you know what? We've been really lucky. We're very close as a a unit and we spent many hours together. Um, But we do like to go away on trips to dedicate time because otherwise the distractions of daily life just get in the way. So we've got this house in Wales that we've been going to for literally like the last six years, probably I'd say. And we probably go about three or four times a year for a couple of weeks. And we just work on loads of stuff. Um, and I find that that's the best way to keep us sort of focused as a unit. Yeah. Um, Is that fun? Are those trips fun? Oh, I mean, they're just the best. Like it's basically a friend, a friend of mine that I went to college with, his parents own this house in St. David's. And it's like a massive holiday home but we just like take, take our van down. We take all our gear and every, every little song idea I've been working on or whatever, we'll just take all those ideas and we'll finish things off. And we'll also write new ones there. Um, And most, most of our songs have come, you know, gone through that process and come out of that experience. But yeah, we just like, you know, we'll, we'll set ourselves like a sort of 10 till six work time, then have dinner. Someone will cook each night. We'll play pool, go to the pub um it's just yeah it's just really great really good because the the sound of this like you know your sounds obviously evolved over the years um from you know guitar rock and that and now coming into something um you know more like unique you know electronic r&b you hear those kinds of that's the big sound of this record yeah is that something that you talked a lot about with each other were there kind of were there chats on the whatsapp and in person and (laughs) you know what I mean Um, yeah I mean I started to realize that the music that I enjoyed making was maybe different from the music we had been making Mm. um I think for a long time we had this like rock band tag on us um 
which, you know, is understandable from what we were making. But I always felt like I had to try and write rock music and I wasn't a rock music writer. Um, And I sort of discovered a few things along the way. I did a writing session a few years back with Blaine Harrison, who said to me, you know, don't be afraid to go to pop. And that alongside sort of finding Heim's, Heim's first two records, yeah. I just, I rediscovered what it meant to make music and I realised what kind of music I enjoyed making. And from that started to make this new sound and Humphrey um, in the band, he's sort of like our production head um, and he's super inspired by like The Weeknd and James Blake. So mm. those two things combined, as we started to learn more about what we liked, we started to make music and then the other three, I think, took us a little bit more adjusting to what we were doing because him and I were just going full steam ahead and the other three were sort of like trying to catch up with us. Yeah. Um, but eventually yeah. we all got to a similar place and we're really, really happy with our sound. It's taken a long time, but with what we've created, that is exactly who we are right now. Um, and I'm, I look forward to sort of seeing that develop. I, I'm really interested in, and not to not to like pry or anything like that but when, when you say that you, know, you and Humphrey were going ahead with that sound and and the other three you know that there, there was some catching up to do there or, or you know some communication that takes a little while um yeah you know not to pry but I, I find that those like those relationships those friendships are so interesting it's like growing up in a, in a sense isn't yeah it? exactly it's like um, Humph and I were, were doing some new things and so the other three because Humphrey and I tend to be the main sort of writers in the band um, you know we'll be on to something and then we'll show it to the guys and then mm. we've kind of got to explain how we got there mm. and um, I think you know it just took a little bit of adjusting from like okay well hang on how am, how am I going to you know what kind of parts am I going to write to this now what sound are we going for mm. you know mm. um so just discussing sort of what had influenced Humphrey and I into making those decisions and then and then finding our feet and how we arrange that music together. I think, um, yeah, we I, it didn't take very long, but there was definitely a discussion about what, what direction we were going in. Sounds organised. <laughs> Do you know what we are? We're pretty, we're not very rock and roll as a band. We're pretty organised, <laughs> you know, uh, like most musicians, we care a lot about what we do. Mm. Um, so yeah, <laughs> we probably think too much as a band. Um, I, I think it's so easy to go the opposite way, isn't it? Like, you know, when you've got like five quid in your account and you're like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can go have a pint or I can just stay home. There's no, you know, I might as well go spend yeah. it. Bucket. You know, it's like that, that, that childish behavior. Oh yeah. I mean, totally. Sometimes you're, you know, you're at a gig or something and you know, like, don't get me wrong. Our audiences are bigger than they they have been but there have been shows where you turn up and there's not many people there and you're like the amount of money we've spent on playing this show yeah. versus you know how much we're going to make from it you mm. sometimes think oh, mate that was that was a lot of effort and time and money but to us every single fan matters if we're playing to one person and that person ends up becoming a fan of ours that that means a lot to us you know I don't take anyone for granted that watches our music or listens to it and that's cool for that fan. You know, we've, yeah. all been, we've all been that fan. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I think sometimes it's easy to forget about how, you know, just how important every every single person is or every moment. You can get so swept up in things that actually you forget how much of a big deal, you know, all these little steps are. Because mm-hmm. if you don't have them, you'd actually really want them. 
you know? That does seem like a cyclical thing in life is if you get something too quick or you go somewhere too quick, it doesn't feel necessarily right. Or you just, you don't fully appreciate it. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if that's to be taken away from you at any point, you would desperately want that, you know, you desperately then appreciate what you had. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, we definitely appreciate every single person that we play to. And and although sometimes there's the odd show that maybe you think that was a lot of time and energy and money that went into that for little gain, actually, you know, our music could change that. I know this sounds a bit, you know, hippy dippy, but our music could technically change that one person's life. So actually it is a big deal and I, I don't take any of it for granted. Whatever record I listen to waking up or going to bed, I kind of always think this has changed my mood in that yeah. moment. Yeah. So in that sense, totally. you know, it factually does that, you know, you know what I yeah. mean? It's like, it can't not. No, exactly. The analogy I have with the time and, and all that spent going into doing something, I think the recent, the recent kind of thing I've been thinking about is, is drawing the line between that and authors who yeah. might spend three years writing, um, you know, writing whatever they're writing. Mm-hmm. And there's, and it's so, it's totally a thankless task Yeah. <laughs> until... Yeah, I mean, the amount of time it's taken us, it it just doesn't, It I sort of had this th- thought process going through lockdown, you know, like the fact that maybe we weren't going to be releasing this album to as many people as I would have liked, or the fact that we've missed out on a year and a half of what would have been the, the biggest touring year for us or festivals. Um, I sort of had to come to terms with the fact that the album maybe wasn't going to reach as many people as I, you know, first thought or had dreamed. And I, I'm actually genuinely okay with it. I've I've sat with that feeling and I've I've thought about it quite a lot. And the fact that you know we have any fans to release that music to is amazing. But most of all, the fact that I have creative satisfaction from making this is the the thing that I'm most grateful for. And also the fact that this I find this so crazy, but the record will live on past any of us. We'll be we'll be dead, and this thing will still exist on the world you know, until the earth, you know, either explodes or implodes on itself. Um, so yeah, I find that quite special. And I, I genuinely feel like, I feel like it's a success, regardless of how many, you know, bar- album buys it gets or, you know, plays it gets. It's a, it's a success to us. And it's, it's been eight years in the making, but actually I couldn't, I couldn't be more happy with it. I really feel that I connect with that massively you know when you find a band that maybe released a record 15 years ago and yeah. you're like what is this why 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 no one tell you know and you discover that and it and it's so special I mean that's just one of all different kinds of of that of that connection of yeah. that you know you're, you're sharing lives there that's the thing and also you know our manager's um pretty keen on the idea of like not focusing about prior to the album but he's about the journey after the album what journey that album has then mm-hmm. and I think that's important because you don't know at any point when you make when you create anything in life there are opportunities that will spring up from creating something and you never know what those opportunities are going to be and when they're going to come so the fact that this thing that exists in the world I just think anything's possible you know and looking away, like the way that music's released now it, these kind of lead times leading up to records seems shorter and shorter yeah that you that it just seems seems smart and logical to think about after the the release yeah exactly I think you know we'll just we'll just see what happens but 
uh, as a as a band we're extremely satisfied that that sounds like an understatement we're extremely happy and creatively satisfied with what we've made um couldn't ask for more really and communion records or communion music they yeah. they they put out there's a great mix there do you feel that do you feel part of that yeah i just feel like you know they're very considered as a as a label of who they take on and what kind of music they want to put out you know had we not have written the the songs for this album they wouldn't they wouldn't have just released an album because we were in an agreement with them you know it had to be the right songs you know good enough songs and they they have pushed me hard over the years you know I think they probably maybe saw potential in me that I didn't even know was there and it's taken me a long time to become the writer I am now but I don't think this album would have been released had it have been you know two years ago with the songs we had then um how did they push you like how how can someone do that you know if you're not yeah just like well we're we're actually extremely close with them because we signed to them before we had a manager and you know we actually they they took us out for dinner when we were I let me think about this maybe like 2016 um they took us out for dinner and they were like so yeah we'd like to work for you know on records and publishing I don't think we really knew what that meant at the time we were kind of we were kind of like okay that sounds good do you you know, they didn't really say like, you know, we want to offer you a record deal. It wasn't like that. Um, and since that day, you know, we've worked so closely with them. But we basically said to them, we want to wait a year. Um, we want to find a manager before we sign this record deal. Can you just give us some time? So we waited a year. We still hadn't found a manager that we liked. Um, and so we basically got up between us and our lawyer decided on sort of figuring out the record deal, signed it. And then I think about six months later, our manager, um, maybe maybe a bit longer than that, actually, we found we found a manager that we really liked. And um, but in that in that gap, you know, we'd been working with communion for like a year and a half without any manager. So they'd been working directly with us. Uh, they filled that gap of a manager a lot of times. And Kev, their A&R, who's also in Bears Den, you know, we we get together and we talk about songwriting and what I could do to, you know, become a better writer he he actually sent me um I'm a bit scared about reading books they or they always scare me um I get very distracted and they overwhelm me the size of them and we had this chat once and he was like you know I really think you should be reading books you know you should you should be trying to you know almost get inspiration in all sorts of places and he sent me three books in the post and they were really really thin books um and I read all three and I absolutely loved them and then from that point on, I sl- slowly built up sort of how many pages I could read in a book because it didn't seem so overwhelming then. Do you remember the three books that they were? Yeah. So he sent me um, oh, Grief is the Thing with Feathers, Slaughterhouse Five, and what is the Ernest Hemingway one? Old Man and the where, Sea. Yeah, the Old Man and the Sea. Yeah, they, they were the three. And um, I just loved all of them. The Old Man and the Sea. I think was probably my favorite. Um, and it's just things like that, like having someone there to keep, you know, pushing you on. I also, um, our, our publisher, Tom, he, you know, we had a chat about me getting in with some writers. I was definitely very stagnant as a writer. I, I think I was definitely going through some turmoil in my life and I just really lost my way with what, what music I wanted to make. So I went in with a few writers, um, Nothing really came of them that we used, but what it did teach me was sort of 
how to enjoy making music again and it taught me a lot about how other people work and um I did end up writing a couple of songs that are on the record with a few friends of mine so one is uh with a guy called Will Bloomfield that's giving in and then there's one called I had to let go with a friend Johnny and then me and my brother actually wrote holding the fire together so um you know things like things like that just you know pushing me and stepping outside my comfort zone and always being there to, you know, talk about it along the way. Um, but yeah, there was, there was a tricky part. I think when we'd sort of first signed in that first year, they, they'd basically signed us off the back of what were two really good songs, which were honest and heaven. And um, I think, I think they just wanted me to keep writing songs like that. But when you've written a song, it's so hard then to recreate that song, but different, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, it's almost impossible um so for a long time I had the weight of those two songs on my shoulders um and then throughout the journey of sort of discovering who I am as a writer and finding my love for it again you know those songs are now actually really irrelevant they're they're not the songs that people refer to anymore which is wonderful um but yeah I've definitely been through been through my challenges as a writer and they have pushed me in such a positive way and been there for me and I have a lot to thank to them for that I often think that we all need kind of shaman people or like, you know, uh, yeah. ment- mentors or people to support, to to nurture, you know, ideas and, and songs. 100%. Ha- have they played that role? Kev has definitely played that role earlier on in our career. So when we were going through this sort of stage of not knowing who the hell we are, writing all sorts of crap, um, we went into the studio to record an EP with Kev and he actually produced it. He came down to one of our sort of writing trips. We worked through some of the songs and we went into Livingston Studios and recorded it with him. And um, yeah, he's definitely taught us a lot about arranging. He's helped us in in sort of figuring out where the guitars sit in our band because we've got two guitarists, both very different guitarists and sort of figuring out how those two sounds blend and things like that. So um yeah, he's helped massively, but I've also learned lots from the writers that I've worked with. Um, you know, sometimes I remember a few years back, I'd send songs to Kevin, he'd be like, this is great, but there's no, you know, there's no chorus. This was another thing I had to battle with was like, you know, I thought I couldn't write a chorus. And uh, for a good couple of years, I just kept trying to write a good chorus. And then um, I got so good at writing choruses, I didn't know how to write a bloody verse anymore. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, he's a. Uh, I remember he said to me once, you know, basically we went away on a writing trip, and he was like, "I want eight songs by the time you get back, and they've all got to have a verse, a pre-chorus, and a chorus, and a mid-late." And I was like, "Okay, fine." And that was really actually, it was like a really helpful exercise to have in my head of like, okay, well, it's not a finished song unless it's got all these parts, and no matter how shit some of these parts might be, I've got to send them with all the parts. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then since we did that, like one exercise, every time we go away now, we usually come back with about eight songs. So um, they've, they honestly, they've just been like, they've been wonderful. They've been extremely patient with us figuring out who we are. Those exercises seem really important. You know, the, the reading books exercises for, for lyrics and kind of rhythm. And yep. that's part of the whole role. Yeah. Um, is it, you know, you're, you're putting that time in because you know that it's, it's working towards the bigger picture. That's it. It's, feed, it's feeding the the you know inspiration. Um, it they may sound like really really ridiculous, boring, 
exercises and things like that and like a bit overthought. But actually, if you're going to take this seriously, you've got to put the time in and you've got to work. You've got to work at this like you are going to work um, because then I do find if you're like exercising that muscle, then those magic moments come more frequently. You know, those songs that are written in like five minutes, they they will happen more and more if you're doing all this other shit around it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they might sound, you know, it's not, as I said, it's not very rock and roll, but <laughs> no. just trying loads of things to, you know, make it, make it fun, make it new, yeah. exciting. Yeah. I know you said then it's, you know, sometimes these conversations feel, feel a bit like, I don't know, dense or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I, I find that so, you know, I find the, the the taking it seriously part, I find that, find that interesting because at the end of the day, you know, it, it is fun. Like it's a fun yeah. thing that you take seriously. And I, I really, I really see value in that. I like that a lot. I'm sure there's a lot of bands out there who don't take it as seriously as we do. And that, you know, don't care as much about some of the stuff that they're doing. They're just sort of going along with the ride, but you know, I, I can't get up on stage and sing something that doesn't hit my core. You know, it's got it's got to really mean something to me, and I've got to feel every every part of that. Um, and that takes work, right? Yeah, it right, takes yeah. a lot of work. It takes a lot of work, and if something doesn't feel right, you know, you really got to go back and change it. I used to find um, if I wrote a song and then I went, you know, I played it to Kev, and he was like, "This bit's just not quite as good as the other bits mm-hmm. um I find it really hard to go back in and write something new there yeah. but that's another thing I've got a lot better at there's a song on the album called minute of my time and basically it was just some some little thing I was writing in my bedroom and it had like this synth chorus which you know I've never I've never written a synth line before it's like the first one I've ever written it's just a bit of fun and I sent it to him and he was like I sent him a load of songs and he was like yeah this one's got something in it try and write a chorus over that synth line and I was like, okay, I just wrote something fun over it. And although I, maybe that that wasn't me taking it as seriously, I still enjoyed that process. So it still meant something to me. And doing into the song, I work at Soho Radio. And, nice. And so, you know, the, the radio show and, and the interviews there, is that another exercise? Is that another way to, you know, explore? <laughs> Do you know what? I didn't, I didn't start it out with that, with that idea, but actually the more I talk to other songwriters, the more I learn. Because I don't think very often you're put in a situation with other songwriters where you can chat like that unless you're actually writing together. Whereas like musicians, you hear about them all the time. People, everyone's a musician, you know, but not every every musician's a songwriter. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, doing those chats with other writers has been so interesting and uh, put, on a, put on a show at a, St Pancras Old Church last month Ace. which was just honestly which was just amazing we've like had Freya Ridings the Amazons uh, Koala I can't even there's there's just loads of great writers and um yeah you just learn a lot and getting to hear songs stripped back as well really special like I was working with my mate Tamsin the other day and we were writing a song and I think when she writes a song, because she is a solo artist, she'll write with producers who will want to finish the song on the day so that when they show it to the A&R, the A&R is like, this sounds great. Whereas with us, when I, you know, when I'm writing with friends and stuff, I don't like to finish the song. I like to go away and um, let it live a little bit and then I'll take it to the band if I like it and then we'll we'll arrange it together. So I think that was slightly different hearing how she has to finish a song on the day. I think she enjoyed that sort of uh process of not having to finish it on the day. Um 
sometimes things things need time to breathe and find themselves. Ali in the band has been fired from so many jobs from basically saying, sorry, I can't do that. Um, <laughs> that's not going to work. Um, I've been pretty lucky. I've worked sort of a zero hours contract for the last few years. So I've been okay on that respect. Um, but prior to that, yeah, I, I, you know, say, sorry, I can't do that last minute. I, you know, my other sort of passion is animals and animal welfare. So I've been working uh, in rescue for the last four years so I worked at the RSPCA um, for quite a few years Um, and then more recently I've been working at vets Um, but yeah animal welfare is really where my my passions lie. Wow I didn't know that. Yeah this is the thing I keep it pretty separate and you know the band is actually full-time it's just it's nice to put a little bit of cash in your pocket and it's also really nice to just have something completely different to give your brain a bit of a break because I put so much of myself into this that it's really nice to have two things that are completely separate. Do you know what it makes me think? I think that's so fucking cool for working with animals, working for a, a something you believe in that a lot of other people believe in. You can connect with a lot of people with that. Yeah. I mean, yes, it's, I never know what people, people often think it's super cool but I think I'm probably more shy about talking about the fact that I do something different to music. Cause I think people, I get scared that people don't think I'm serious maybe about music or that it's not my full-time thing. And it hundred percent is I spend every waking moment thinking about our band, but I've always sort of thought if I'm going to make, you know, some money alongside doing this until this makes me enough money, it's got to be something I'm really passionate about. Life's too short to be, you know, doing something that whether where the boss doesn't give a shit about me. Oh, totally. And, totally. You know, treats me like, you know, yeah. You know, w- working with, working as a vet, working for the RSPCA, that's exactly the kind of thing that I would read in a magazine about a band and think like, that's fucking ace. Yeah, I mean, just to clarify, I'm not a vet. Um, okay, right. But, but you know, um, I've learned a lot working with the vets. Um, but yeah, it's just animal welfare for me is, you know, like uh, I really like seeing sort of, well, I don't like seeing it, but when dogs come in from bad backgrounds and you're able to help them through that transition yeah. of going from a broken animal to something that is able to then be rehomed and have a loving life, um, that gives me a lot of purpose. So, you know, I, I often have said throughout the years of working with animals, like I might be there to try and heal them, but actually they've healed me more than I've ever healed them. You get it when you're hanging out with a dog and, or, you know, when you, <clears throat> when you find that connection with a pet. It is, yeah, yeah. it is real. It's so real. It is real. Yeah. I don't trust people that are like, I don't get dogs. <laughs> yeah. You know? Cats. Well, I don't get you. We're talking something different. I mean... Yeah, cats are a little bit different, aren't they? They're a bit more, um, some of them are all right. The ones that are like dogs are all right. But yeah. no, the vicious ones, I'm not about that. As I said, I'm trying to be less private, but I find it really difficult. You know, I get anxiety about what I've said afterwards or if, you know, it's like, yeah. but hey. I wonder if there's like um, those little defense mechanisms that we Mm -hmm. all have in our own way, whether sort of there's a reason for that, whether we've been told in the past that or whether we've been made in the past to feel like idiots for playing music. 
because because we re- we really should be co- you know confident in ourselves you know doing putting ourselves out there but we're we're, we're human right and if someone is mean to us in the past it, that people we, we can hold on to that I, i've certainly got that with with a number of things yeah even if you don't know you're holding on to it you know it could be something so small that someone once said as a passing comment that's probably still buried in your subconscious somewhere um so yeah definitely i think i think musicians you know most most creative people they're extremely um they go through moments of being confident but i think they also go through a lot of moments of being insecure and doubting themselves but i think it works both ways as well because i was you know working at the radio station trying to make people take me seriously i suppose yeah you know and i totally relate to that because you want to you know the worst thing you know when someone doesn't take you seriously when you're putting yourself out there that's 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 not a nice feeling you know you wanna, yeah exactly um f- avoid that at all costs because that's something you, you don't need to think about that's energy you don't need to expend yeah exactly and also if i'm surrounded by people in my local town who aren't musicians their lives are very different to mine and their expectations of sort of where they should be at in their life um are very different to mine and if I spend too much time around those people, and it's the same for all the guys in the band, we're all the same, you know, if you spend too much time around those people, you start to then think, well, hang on, I'm I'm very far behind these people in life. Mm. Um, and it can be quite damaging to what you're doing and who you are. Um, so it's really important to surround yourself with people that understand you and understand what you're doing and understand the value of it. Because although you might not be buying your house and having kids and getting married, actually what you're doing is really cool and you're making something really special. So I think society's um, expectations on how people should live their lives can weigh heavy on, on creative people. So there was Abby Woodman of Martha Gunn here on 101 Part-Time Jobs. Cheers for listening and see you next week. Here's Cox Barrow. I've been working all day for me mate on the side Running around like a blue-ass fly I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day for me mate Every bleeding minute I've been on the go Up and down the ladder like a fiddler's elbow I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day for me mate This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.